Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, at long last, fellow Sark Fighter Royce Robertson has taken on his fundraising bike ride. It was uh, 196 miles over the course of three days. But the weather was not his friend. Actually, to the east in suburban Syracuse, there was a tornado. So it was we were on the, no on the, the, the western edge of that. It's all coming up on the award-winning FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 96 of the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. Want to let you know that Kynovant Sciences is researching a potential new drug for sarcoidosis called nemilumab, which inhibits one of the key proteins believed responsible for granuloma formation and persistence in sarcoidosis. Listen to episode 69 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, where Kynovant CEO Bill Gearhart and their director of patient advocacy, Rainey Rogers, discuss the status of nemilumab and how you, as a sarcoidosis patient, can participate in their phase two clinical trial. And that trial is called Resolve Lung. And there's a link in the show notes if you'd like more information. Maybe you can participate in the trial and uh, perhaps find that nemilumab really helps you out and also help uh, move the uh, needle as we try to find cures for sarcoidosis. All right. Notice that I added award-winning in the introduction today because it is. I've been meaning to say this uh, because earlier this year, as I've told you, the podcast received that Crystal Award from the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research at a big gala in Washington, D.C., and I got to tell you, I can still feel the glow from that evening. It was such a fun event, and it was it was just really cool to see some fellow SART patients there and so many researchers and other people involved in, in trying to advance the cause for sarcoidosis. And so, so I, do, I, I don't want to let the memory of that evening lapse. But more than that, I just really appreciate the recognition that all of us have received because this podcast is really about all of you, those of you who have shared your stories or your research here and basically opened up your lives to how sarcoidosis has, has impacted you if you've been on the patient side and if you're on the research side or the treatment side, uh, just just thanking you and recognizing you for deciding that sarcoidosis is what you want to work on uh, because we, we know we need more of that. And so anyway, um, I've been meaning to call it the award-winning podcast since we won the award, and I just had kind of forgotten to say it. So from now on, somewhere in that intro, I'm going to say welcome to the award-winning FSR Sark Fighter podcast, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's nice to have won the award, but um, I also, you know, I want to honor the 
outstanding decision-making process that FSR went through uh, among all the worthy people out there uh, to choose this podcast as an honoree uh, <laughs> because it it also recognizes all of you who have contributed. Okay, I've talked about that too much, but again, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone involved with that, and uh, and let's let's realize that when I say award-winning podcast, it's really about all of you guys. All right. So listen, in the last episode, I riffed a little bit about people who've been struck by lightning have formed support groups because their lives have been so altered after being hit by lightning, and then nobody understands, they don't know anybody else who's been struck by lightning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People look at them and they look fine, but they have all of these um, problems in their bodies because they've been hit by lightning, but nobody knows that. And at that time, I suggested that all of us have been struck by something that came from out of left field and sort of does the same thing. And one day you're fine. The next you have this chronic disease that messes up your life. And I wondered out loud on the last one, uh, okay, so what's more common, being struck by lightning or being struck by sarcoidosis? And I just did a quick Google search, and it turns out that uh, 28 people die each year from lightning strikes in the U.S., and about 300 people are hit by lightning. So if we use the common number for SARC patients, you know, there's 200,000 people in the United States have uh, sarcoidosis. So unfortunately, uh, it looks like being struck by lightning is more uncommon than being, quote-unquote, struck by sarcoidosis. So lightning is rarer, more rare, rarer, uh, but the results are often the same, especially the, uh, with the lightning strikes. You have a lot of neurological damage because your body basically works uh, you know, through electrical fields, and that's what lightning is all about. So sometimes lightning rewires people. Um, but that's, you know, in my case, I have neurological damage from sarcoidosis. So, but uh, anyway, um, sarc is more common than lightning strikes, and the results are the same, but just a bit of unfinished business there, something that was sticking with me that I didn't have time to research before I just started hypothesizing in the last podcast. Also, I want to let you know there's a new report out that's very interesting that says methotrexate, which is a very common drug in treating sarcoidosis, may not be as effective as we thought as an alternative to prednisone in cardiac sarcoidosis patients. So the organization Sarcoidosis News is reporting that more study is needed, but there's an interesting article uh, according to a small uh, study in Japan. This is done by Steve Bryson, Ph.D. I'm just going to read you the first couple of paragraphs of this article, but it says, Most cardiac patients respond to six months of first-line treatment with prednisone and show reduced active inflammation in the heart, according to a small study in Japan. Cardiovascular events were less common among responders relative to those who responded poorly, further confirming the first-line prednisone's effectiveness with the condition. And among poor responders... Adding methotrexate to low-dose prednisone resulted in similar outcomes as a second round of prednisone and 
none of the approaches led to significant reductions in heart inflammation. These findings stand in contrast to the general idea that methotrexate is an alternative to prednisone for poor responders, and it calls for larger studies to assess the therapy's efficacy in those patients. So the story goes on in much more detail, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's interesting. And remember, you know, even learning that something may not work is progress. So if the doctors are treating heart patients with low-dose prednisone and methotrexate, um, it's good to know that there's a study out there that says, well, you know what, that may not be as effective as we thought it was, because you don't want to be receiving something that potentially doesn't work, right? So the study's out there, and it's essentially saying that that uh, uh, prednisone is effective. Adding methotrexate in low-dose prednisone uh, is not as effective, and this is a very preliminary finding. It's a small study, but I try to keep my eye out for this type of stuff and, and then uh, put it out in front of you so that you can do further research if you're interested in it or just uh, just take what I just said and know that there's there's something going on with prednisone and, and that there's a study that found that. So, so that is uh, what it is, and there will be a link in the show notes. Okay, coming up, Poor Royce and his bike ride. First, it's delayed by that forest fire smoke from the fires up in Canada. And then it turns out he pedals off into a rainstorm. And uh, and so, you know, we knew we were going to get drenched because we had about 25 miles to go. Royce's fundraising ride is next on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie. Just feeding and stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me once again is Royce Robertson, just back from his bicycle adventure and FSR fundraiser. Royce, thanks for joining me again. It's great to be here, John. Great to be back and uh, looking forward to telling people about our, our exciting and wet adventure. Oh, and wet. So <laughs> really so, wet. Okay. So it was already kind of epic and then it got even more epic. So let's let's just set the table in case people haven't listened to the earlier podcast. You were going from where to where? Buffalo, New York to Syracuse, New York. And you're doing that along a uh, basically a bicycle path that's called the Empire Trail. Yes, it's a combination of uh, the Erie Canal and uh, the historic Erie Canal, and then also uh, added trails that have been built in and around certain towns, between towns, wherever the canal doesn't exist. Okay, gotcha. And it's um, uh, uh, that's a long way, though. I mean, people think of New York, and, and they usually the first thing they think of is New York City. They don't realize that it's a huge state. But so, how many miles is it from Buffalo to? your end point here, Syracuse. 
It was uh, 196 miles over the course of three days. And that in, that includes kind of our off-the-trail parts where we had to get out to a hotel or get to a bed and breakfast or anything like that. I just forgot to turn off Strava. Yeah, no, that's okay. Those are, those are all miles in your legs. That's that's all that matters. So um, so you would, you would ride, you'd get off the trail, and then it might be three or four miles, maybe hopefully less to uh, the, yep. to the to the hotel, and then back yep. to the trail the next morning, and and then resume. Yep. Okay, so and um, uh, you had to delay this first of all because of the smoke from the Canadian wildfires. Yes, yeah, the um, Western New York, Central New York was getting well over a hundred and fifty in terms of the AQI. And uh, frankly, that weekend, you know, as much as I wanted to do it and as much as I was prepared to, you know, my eyes were burning, my, you know, my, my lungs hurt when I breathe, when I was right. breathing. And, and uh, frankly, for someone who's immune compromised and has sarcoidosis, that it was just a foolish decision to continue. So uh, my, my co-writer, Jerry, you know, gave, gave, called me and gave me the reality check and said, Royce, I know, I know you're, you know, you're an intrepid guy, but we've got to make a logical decision here. And so we cho- we chose to uh, cancel it at that time and yeah. reschedule for August the 6th to the 9th. Okay. So you actually did the ride. Um, and then uh, you, you mentioned the rain, so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, so it was a wet ride. Uh, what kind of wet? What happened? Sure, sure. So Actually, I, I mean, it wasn't all wet. It was actually a, a really nice range of of. Uh, thank God it didn't snow. Let's put it that way. But it was a it was a full range of summer weather. Uh, let's put it that way. The uh, we started out in Buffalo in early in the morning on Monday the seventh. It was cool. It was breezy, and uh, by the time we got out past Tonawanda and in kind of the straightaways out of the out of the um, the the kind of the suburban Buffalo area, sun came out. It was warm. You know, crack a sweat. It was really nice. Little breezy, and uh, actually nice tail breeze. So it was. You know, we we're moving along, having a great day. You know. I actually got to a point where I thought, oh, I better get some sunscreen on because up until that point, it was all cloudy. Uh, and we got in through like Lockport, Middleport. Uh, we're about halfway to our destination for that day of Brockport. And uh, we had lunch, left left uh, Middleport. And as we got to a straightaway, I looked to the south and the blue sky that was over me with some big puffy cotton ball clouds, it was just black. <laughs> to the south. I mean, it was this wall of black clouds heading north to us. And, uh, and, you know, and Jerry stopped, we would usually stop if he got ahead of me, I would, he, we'd stop under bridges and agree that we would just catch up at a bridge. And, uh, and so he stopped at the next bridge and I and I was like, Hey, did you, did you see what's coming our way? And, uh, and, you know, and, and he's not a very, he's not a real heavy technologically savvy guy. So he's like, check the, check the radar. And I just saw a big band of yellow, orange, red to our South. And, and it said that it was moving North at about 25 miles an hour. And, uh, and so, you know, we knew we were going to get drenched cause we had about 25 miles to go. And, <clears throat> and so, uh, somewhere in there, uh, it it started to just kind of drizzle a little bit and uh and we we got to a bridge and said well let's just wait here and about 45 minutes later it, we passed through a pretty 
uh, or a, a pretty substantial downpour passed uh-huh. through. Actually, yeah. to the east in suburban Syracuse, there was a tornado. So it was we were on the no on the, the, the western edge of that of that that front that actually created a tornado, you know, elsewhere. So we endured that rain. And then once it died down enough, we started taking off again. And and so we were in a little bit of drizzle and then probably about 10 miles from Brockport, it just torrent, just, I mean, heavy torrential downpour. And uh, we decided not to stop. We you were just, just stuck in it then. We were at that point. We were like, we're wet. We want to be done. And it was and we put in 76 miles that day. So so we were we were just cranking along in the rain. And, you know, and it was it was a lot slower going because the uh, the you know, when it's packed gravel, but it, once it gets soaked, you know, you're sinking in. And, mud, and yeah. yeah. And so we're, you know, you're riding through kind of a firm mud. Uh, and uh, for about, I think we probably did about 15 miles total in the, in, in that slop and then got to Brockport and had to ride up to our hotel. I, you know, I swear I took my shoes off. I thought I had like a half of in, half an inch of water in the bottom of my shoes. Uh, the ladies, the, you know, uh, Big shout out to the ladies at the Hampton Inn in Brockport, New York, because <laughs> they basically said, clean yourself off outside before you come in. And yeah. Uh, and and yeah, and they they were good. They were they, they kind of looked at us funny, like, why would you ride in all of that crap? Right, right. But, you know. So you didn't have raincoats or anything like that with you? We did. Or, we did. did. I didn't okay. I didn't go with I didn't go with rain pants because I just felt like it's a lot that's a lot of burden. And plus that I with the the sympathectomy that I've had, the sympathetic denervation, I don't right. sweat from the chest up. Right. And, but but the same amount of sweat comes out, you know, south of my chest. And uh and so I you know, it would those things they would just get soaked on the inside if I wore leggings, sure. you know, or, or rain pants. So we were, we wore rain jackets and, uh, and then left the legs exposed. And I think actually the breeze really helped to uh, keep me a little bit cooler. Yeah. Uh, and it was, but it was good. It was, it was, it was a lot of cleaning on, uh, on, on that first night. And, uh, wow. and then we agreed that, you know, every night was, well, we might kind of, you know, have snacks and smaller meals along the way. We were going to feast every night. So uh, I had a, I had a great cheeseburger on Monday night, some really good, really good shoestring French fries. And, uh, and, and uh, I had a decent night's sleep. The, uh, but my legs just wouldn't shut up. You know, they were just tingling right. all night long. Yep, I know that feeling for sure. Yep. Oh. yep. So, and, all right. So, well, I just wanted to ask you, um, now you are riding a uh were you riding a regular bike or a mountain bike was it was an or did you decide to get an e-bike I I I ride a Cannondale e-bike okay and uh, right. it has about 37 miles of range on it and uh and so I didn't use it all the time I I really only used it uh when I had to if there were uphill inclines or if I if I needed to stay one step ahead of the rain, um, you know, I didn't I didn't use it a whole lot, but but I also did check my heart rate on occasion, and um, and even though it's you know my heart rate is kind of medically altered, mm-hmm. you know, metoprolol all that kind of thing, um, I rarely got into a heart rate range that was would be considered. Um, you know, uh, troublesome for me. I was mostly, you know, in the 100 to 130 range. So it was good. It was okay. good. Yeah. I wasn't, so, I, was, I wasn't straining myself. Let's put it that way. 
Okay. Well, that's great. Your And your doctors uh, had told you that you had to, if you were going to do this, that you had to keep your heart rate down and not push yourself too awfully hard, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Keep, keep, basically, you know, uh, there's a lot of hills in central New York and, uh, and, and many times, you know, I know that, you know, a steep hill on the backside of a, of a, of the finger lakes, you know, you could easily get you up into the 160, 170, 180, you know, BPM range. And, and, and I really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, and all this is a fundraiser for sarcoidosis. So just, just to make sure that listeners know we're not, cause people know me talking about bicycles. I'll go on all day, but, yep. um, uh, but all of this is a fundraiser and, and, uh, I want people to know that if they donated to your cause, uh, you are out there doing the work. All they had to do was strike the check or, or swipe the credit card. So, you know, if you're out there doing, yep. doing all this in the rain and the mud, you know, come on people, this is all for, for a good cause. Yeah. So your legs tingled all night and you still had to get up and ride again the next day. How'd that go? Yeah, it was, it was all right. Actually, once you get moving, you get loosened up, everything's good. The The problem with day two, which was Brockport, New York to Newark, New York, about uh, 57 miles was that it was a steady drizzle all day long. Really? Yep. And it was, you know, and it was, uh, it was a little cooler. So you had to work a little harder to stay warm. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was kind of an, I guess, an uneventful day, except for the rain. You know, we didn't stop a lot to to sightsee. You know, there's some beautiful little towns yeah. uh, in the suburbs of Rochester, like um, uh, Fairport uh, is, you know, is a beautiful spot. And, and, they, and those towns take such pride in being on the Erie Canal and the historical relevance of it and the, you know, and the economic relevance of it. And so pretty places, Pittsford, uh, you know, stopped at a little bike shop there to, uh, to get some, you know, we needed new, uh, CO2 cartridges. We wanted to make sure we had a, we had a flat along the way and, and uh-huh. wanted to get it, you know, those, yeah, the people re- use those to inflate their, inflate their tires just for yep. listeners that are not bike savvy. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need to replace a tube, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, and the folks were super friendly and, you know, like, where are you riding from? Where are you riding to? You know, do you need anything from us? And uh, any advice on anything there? Everybody was, they, they were very in tune with the kind of the culture around people that ride the Empire Trail. Well, that's really cool. Um so you did your, I guess, after the first day where you're doing 70 plus miles, just doing 50 some odd miles felt like an easy day, right? Legs were fine, yeah. um, but some good saddle sores started to build in and, uh, and I just hadn't, you know, I hadn't trained that part of my body as much as I should have. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a little sore, uh, but we had a nice, we had a nice bed and breakfast in, in Newark. And, okay. uh, and they had, they had comfortable beds and a, and a beautiful big clawfoot tub. And so you could just sit and soak away your troubles at the end of the day. And, uh, and we went out and had a, again, had a good dinner and, uh, and then just relaxed and got up on day three, uh, day three from Newark, New York to Syracuse was, uh, actually the best weather out of all the days. It was sunny, you know, little, little cotton ball clouds, nothing, nothing too cloudy, uh, minimal breeze got into got into the upper 70s low 80s by the end of the day uh 
all, all in all most beautiful of the days the the only difference is, is those were uh, some of those were sections of the trail that i had already been on so it was it was covered territory but the weather was beautiful it was a great way to end uh it was uh i think 61 or 63 miles that day i can't remember and uh and we rolled into syracuse and went to the the famous dinosaur barbecue and and had some uh had some ribs and slaw which is usually my favorite way to to, uh, to finish off a good ride. So the famous dinosaur barbecue. I, I've never yeah. heard of the the famous dinosaur. <laughs> oh barbecue. well, if, yeah. I get maybe okay. Famous for Central New Yorkers. <laughs> okay, gotcha. gotcha. So all right, um, I love a good barbecue place though. Absolutely. Good. Well, you've gone to Syracuse. We'll bring you to dinosaur. That's great. All right. So uh, so that was the end of the trip, right? Or was that? Yep. That okay. was it. Yep. That was it. Uh, and then what, how did you get back to where you started? Did you have a, a vehicle parked there? Or somebody come pick you up or. Oh, no, it? I'm from Syracuse. So, oh, so we actually, we actually, yeah. so yeah, uh, back up even further. Uh, strangely enough, uh, you know, I, I, I refuse to, ad- I refuse to admit that it might be an omen, but uh, Jerry and I were supposed to get on a westbound Amtrak on uh, Sunday, August the 6th, and there was a derailment uh, just west of Albany, New York, and uh, which which stopped all train service through New York for about three or four days. So uh, I got a text message on Sunday morning that said, oh, by the way, your, your train is canceled. And so we had to go to plan B, which was a, a one-way car rental uh from from syracuse to buffalo so we we rented a car drove to buffalo left the car in buffalo and then rode the bikes back to syracuse and and uh and uh so grateful for my my family my wife and daughter they met us at at dinosaur for a little little celebration and then uh packed up the car and they took us took us home i live about about uh, you know 15 20 miles south of syracuse okay that's right i forgot that that's where you were yeah and so um so your plan then would be to do an additional fundraiser next year and to start in Syracuse and just keep on heading east until eventually you traverse all of New York State, right? Yep, there's 750 miles in the Empire Trail. Um, we've kind of, you know, most people break it down into four sections, you know, that Buffalo to Syracuse, Syracuse to Albany, Albany to Manhattan, and then the Canadian border or Plattsburgh um, south to Albany. And so the goal is, is to do all of those, cover the 750 miles here in, in New York, and then branch out. Um, I am, uh, I, I went and did a little segment of the C&O Trail in uh if um uh, harper's ferry west virginia yeah. uh in and around that area this summer and i'm in love with it yeah. uh you know it's very similar to the to the erie canal trail but it seems to have a lot more tree cover um the you know the the river is is beautiful uh you know it's just, and there's a little more i think a little bit more geologic significance uh you know for the most part it, you don't see a lot of exposed rock in uh, along the the Erie Canal, but the section that I rode in West Virginia was beautiful. I mean, you right. know, just, uh, right. and so I think after we finish New York, we're gonna head down and probably start planning something combination of the Allegheny Trail and the CNO and go go Pittsburgh to DC. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people who live around where I do have done that, and yeah. I I have not. I haven't ridden any of it, and so um, that's that's also a bucket list for me as well. So. 
and I'm really hoping we can join forces and make this even bigger. And oh several, yeah, several other people have reached out to me. They've heard about us talking about this on the podcast, and people in the sarcoidosis space are wanting to to participate. So I hope we can get a whole group together and and do one of these rides. Hopefully next summer, start next summer, and then and then just keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah. When I was on the when I was uh, on the CNO, um, it was early in the morning. It was you know it was going to be ninety or so that day, and I thought mm-hmm. I you know I want to get this ride done early so that I don't I don't fry. And uh, I ran into a, a few groups that were camping along the trail as they were riding, and I thought to myself, I'm not totally sure I can do that, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I kind of I kind of like a bed. Uh, but uh, but you know, big shout out to them because uh, that that's a lot to do all of that riding and then you know bed down every night on the ground um, yeah. and and then to carry all that stuff too. Uh, that yeah, was one on of your big, bike. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the biggest things I think I learned during this trip was uh, being really very discerning about what you need and don't need. And uh, and learning how to pack it in a way that it's accessible and dry and uh, and that, uh, you know, and that and that it works for you, that you you, right. you can't take everything. So you've got to figure out how to take what you have. Right, 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 right. So let's talk about your fundraising. That went pretty well, didn't it? It did. It did. Um, the I the the first phase up to the ride, uh, we raised about about. $2,250. Okay. And, uh, and that was from, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of about 16 to 18 donors, something in that neighborhood. Uh, certainly appreciate everything that those individuals committed. Uh, Jerry reached out to his family and, uh, you know, and, and I reached out to mine and, uh, had some friends of friends who sent messages to friends of theirs. And, and it was, I think a good, uh, a very good kind of social network, uh, good use of social networks. And, uh, yeah. and then, so we started the ride with that idea that, you know, $2,250, that's great. And then, uh, when I finished, I got home, uh, you know, we got home on Sunday and, uh, and then Monday in the mail, uh, I had received a check for $5,000 from, Man. uh, someone that I know who, you know, chose to be an, un- an anonymous donor. Uh, and, in, and in speaking to that person, they said, use it however you need it and, and just appreciate everything that you're doing. So that, um, that you know, it just seemed to put it into a, a whole new level of meaning for me to say that someone cared about what we were doing that much to make that significant of a donation. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's that's when you know you're 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 reaching somebody and and touching somebody with with your situation and your effort. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it was it uh it it kind of set the bar a little higher for for next summer and uh yeah, but I think it's a good it's a good challenge. Um I'm working with the folks at FSR right now uh to figure out how and when we want to uh make a you know, make some, dis- make some contributions, uh, to, to families and, uh, start to figure out kind of what are the, what are the criteria, what are the kind of the ground rules for helping, you know, remember our, uh, my purpose really, my, my why 
is to support families that have to travel for treatment and mm -hmm. and supporting their needs beyond what their insurance may or may not cover you know right. gas hotel rooms food those kind of things and mm -hmm. uh, and how do we how do we help people who may not have um you know i i don't mean to I don't mean to say anything negative about the medical community, but sarcoidosis is a mystery to some and, and getting proper treatment in the right places is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I've preached that, that, you know, a lot of the folks who contact me through the podcast will, will say they live in some remote area or they just happen to live in a, in a populated area that doesn't have a nearby center where there's, I mean, there may be doctors who quote unquote treat sarcoidosis, but it's not like going to a sarcoidosis clinic where they're seeing SARC patients every day, all the time. Yep. They understand the nuances of what's going on with people. They've seen it before. They know how to react. They know if it's a problem or they, or they can tell somebody, you know, that's just sarcoidosis, but at least they know because they see it all the time yep. as opposed to just following the playbook which, you know, starts with prednisone, then goes to methotrexate. And, you know, you can look that up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Frankly, yeah. you know, it, it, it's having eyes on the patient and, um, and, and cause I, I can just tell the difference between the doctors that I have who are in a clinic in Cleveland, as opposed to other doctors who, you know, I was maybe one of three or four patients that had sarcoidosis that they had worked with and they weren't terrible doctors. They just don't do it every day. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that. That is one of the things that I noticed the most about being treated at at Johns Hopkins is that there's a there is a team, um, you know, an inter interprofessional team down there that has expertise in different organs, but they all care about sarcoidosis, whether yeah. it's a pulmonologist or a cardiologist or, you know, a, a uh, an endocrinologist. Uh, they all, you know, they all know why I'm there. Mm -hmm. And, and the reason that I'm there is the reason that they, they are there. That's and, right. and that is a, uh, that is a, a, a very reassuring, uh, concept for someone who's, you know, who is not to sound, you know, cliche or hyper hyperbolic that, uh, that they're in a fight for their life. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, and usually anybody with sarcoidosis has, multiple doctors in multiple disciplines because who knows what organs are affected and uh, it, yep. it just gets very complicated very fast. So yep. what are you thinking about for next year? Do you have a month in mind for next year? I, I think, you know, if we can pull it off, I'd like to do two next summer. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking big, but, uh, or bigger. Uh, I'd like to possibly in June uh, do Syracuse to Albany. Uh -huh. And then possibly in July and or early August, do Albany to uh, Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. If okay. I could pull off, if I could pull them off both in June, I might. But that that also depends on on my vacation, <laughs> how many vacation days Amen. I have and, and yeah. what what my body can handle. <laughs> I get it. I mean, the, let's don't forget you've got sarcoidosis and, and other people who might want to ride with you uh, have sarcoidosis. So you can only yeah. do so much. And, yeah, uh, you know, we I talk to some people on the podcast and, and they can't walk across their house because they're so laid up or can't catch their breath or whatever. So what, what, yeah. what we're talking about probably sounds just just the side of impossible. So um, to them. 
So yeah. it's, uh, but it's, it, it, they, they are the reason good. we do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, Royce, look, thank you so much for your effort. Thank you, obviously, for joining me uh, and inspiring me to want to get out and do this and and raise some money with you and and ride bikes and and raise awareness for sarcoidosis. I'm really, really pleased with what you're doing. I want to thank you. Well, you're welcome. And and thank you very much for for having me on, for spreading the good word and for um, rallying. You know, I, I think a. I said intrepid before, but I think a pretty intrepid group of, of, of people, uh, you know, I, I go to a couple of, uh, support groups and, and there's a lot of people that are suffering with sarcoidosis and they may suffer in silence. They may suffer loudly. Um, but they are, they're trying to find people who care and want to help. And that's, that's what matters the most to me is, uh, is the desire to help those that, 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 you know, just pay it forward. Awesome. Great way to look at it. Thank you, Royce. Yeah, no problem, John. Have a good day. So thanks to Royce for all the effort, for the fundraising, and for getting the ball rolling. And I've heard from several other people who have an interest in cycling and also are afflicted with sarcoidosis. And I'm just really hoping we can find a way to make this become a thing where a group of us go out and and ride bikes and and raise a bunch of money for the cause. So, Royce, thank you again, and thank you for being a listener and a participant and a fundraiser, and we appreciate all of your efforts. The official Sark Fighter song is Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards, and Mark is a fellow Sark Fighter. The story behind the lyrics way back in episode 12. The Sark Fighter podcast comes out every other Monday, As I am recording today, my trusty dog, Dougal, is curled up on the chair of my office, where it just makes it better when Dougal's here. And Dougal, as a general rule, makes my life so much better. The backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11, where I talked with Andrea and Redding Wilson, who started FSR at their kitchen table. Don't forget to follow Sark Fighter on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I'm even on Peloton as Sark Fighter if you happen to have a Peloton fitness device. And my cycling blog, Carlin the Cyclist, has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis. If you're new here and you just want to know what sarcoidosis is, go listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. My story is episode one. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email. It's in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. And it helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. And if you like it, just tell one other person. Please subscribe and give the show a nice review wherever you get your downloads. And until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday. Learn endurance, your strength will fade away. Dead man walking, trying to keep up the pace. Dead man walking, counting down.